Welcome to the Common Sense Gospel. I'm Sam Tipton. And I'm Danny Simmons. It's good to be back with you again. Appreciate you tuning in and, and listening to us. Today we're we're going to talk about our service to the Lord and what it means to be a servant of God and some of the struggles we face in, in our efforts to do that. I think the most beautiful thing and the most sweet thing a person can hear in their life will be when the Lord says to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Amen. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That is what we're all, as Christians, working towards, hoping to hoping to hear here one day. And we we focus on that that moment we'll, when we'll be with our Lord. And I think so so many times we in our our contemplation of our lives, we might struggle wondering, how can I be a better servant? What what can I do with my life? How can God use me? We pray about these things. We talk to others about it. We, we're busy in them. But there's uh, a thought and a concern over what what more can we do to be pleasing to God? Or have I done enough? And we, we know these are questions that are man man-centered questions because we know Christ has done all things for us, right? But we we need to, I think, look at this today and see see what characters in the past God has put before us to show us what he's looking for in a, in a human. I believe his words revealed those things. He's revealed those those things to them so that we we know what he desires and what is pleasing to him. So, Today, let's let's look at what can we do, and that and that question. What what can I do? That's right. This is going to be fun because we're going to actually make application. This we're talking yeah. about where the rubber meets the road. What can I do? Typically, we would say, you know, I'm, I'm just one person. Sometimes it seems overwhelming. Uh, we can easily yeah. say to ourselves, it, it's, the truth is, not many people care about God's word or His will, except those who are faithful to Him. So, so it's just. It's kind of our little group, and, and so we, we work in that group maybe, and but we, we know that there's more that we can do. There's more available to us. So back to the question, what can I do? How can I help? What's the best way to share the truth with the ones I love? That's a big question for me. What's the best way to talk to someone that I love and care about, about the truth, or to, to be a living example to them so that they would look to me, that they would see the gospel of Christ in my life and say, I want what you have. That, that is a great and a phenomenal thing. And, and that's, again, that's the rubber meeting the road. As Sam already pointed out, we, we're going to look at a couple of Bible examples of what people did when they loved the Lord. And, and again, this, this is us. What did people in the Bible do when they loved the Lord, when they trusted his word, and when they realized that he will bless their efforts to move according to his will? What, how did they move? And we, we want to we emulate that. We want to mimic that behavior. 
because we know God's approval is on it. He's given it to us uh, for our examples. And so you've got one right off the bat here for us, don't you, Sam? Right. Yeah. Uh, I see in Moses this sort of response. Uh, Moses had, as you'll recall, he had, he had fled Egypt and he was in, in Midia with his father-in-law and he was herding sheep and the Lord appeared before him and, and told him that he was going to send him before Pharaoh. And we, we know how that story, that story goes, but Moses looked around and he, you know, he thought, I'm not, I'm not the man for the job. And he tried to negotiate with God if he was the right man, if God had chosen the right person. This is right. when the Lord appeared to him as a fiery burning bush, yeah. and it wasn't destroyed. And so they're, they're talking. Moses is trying to tell the Lord, you, you probably have the wrong guy. Right. Yeah. And if you, if you listen to relate. our Divine Humor <laughs> episode, I feel like this is something we missed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, in Exodus chapter 4, we, we catch up with Moses and the Lord there. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they will say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So the Lord here is telling Moses, uh, perform this miracle before Pharaoh and the people, and that that will verify verify the the authority behind your words. Uh, so, if we look deeper into this, we see God had had already prepared Moses with a tool that he was going to use, and that was a, the rod in his hand. Yep. And I think this is a you know a great a great lesson that that we can take from this. Not that we'll be performing miracles, but that there may be things in our everyday life that God has placed there for us for us to use to bring glory to Him and, and be a tool that we can use to point people to God. You'll remember that you know just to say it again, Moses was doubting himself, like we do so many times. Yeah. We know that there are many good things to do, and sometimes we shrink away from that, thinking, "Oh, someone's more qualified," or "All uh, won't bring enough." enough to the table, but God can use very uh, seemingly insignificant small things and turn them into very beautiful things. Uh, Moses, he fled Egypt because he had murdered a man. Uh, he, and, he had God, and he was slow to speech, he, he said. So God chose Moses for, we, might, we don't know all the reasons, but sure. one reason was that he was magnifying himself through Moses. He, That's right. He, he was taking Moses and saying, I, I can exalt you and I can use whoever I want to accomplish my purposes. That's right. The, the, he says to the Lord, as, as you pointed out, I'm not eloquent in speech I, I'm, and, and they're not going to believe me. And who do I say sent me? And he's got all these reasons why he shouldn't go do what the Lord has told him to do. So this, this fits perfectly to the conversation we're having. What yeah. can I do? The Lord's given him plain instruction. He gives a bunch of reasons. And eventually we're going to read down there that he says, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. So the Lord's had just about enough. But the point with the rod is, as you've made already, is that the rod was not special to Moses. He, He had the rod. He used it. 
It was already in his hand, so we, we know that the rod was used to herd sheep, obviously, in the context. He climbed mountains with it. He cleared brush. Uh, he probably used that rod for protection against snakes and predators. And so, so God says, after Moses poses this impossible question, the Lord says, what's in your hand, Moses? And that, that's where we want to start, right? What do I have? What's in my hand? What's Moses' answer? A rod. Right. And so the, we hear more about the rod later in Scripture uh, as we go down through. Do you, do you have that? Yes, that's that's in the same chapter, isn't it? Yes. Uh, verse, verse 20. Yep. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand, the rod of God. Yes. Now it's not just a rod. Now the, yeah. the Lord, through inspiration, we know Moses wrote this, but now he calls it not just a rod, but the rod of God. And if you go to Exodus 17, uh, now we're going to hear Moses say it himself. Exodus 17 and verse 9, do you have that? Yep. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose some men and go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So now he's telling others, this is the yeah. rod of God in my hand. And yeah. so that, that's perspective. It's still the same rod. Mm -hmm. It's still the, the same stick. And yet now, what makes it the rod of God? What God had chosen to use it for. Exactly. What Moses had helped him out. We've got to see that huge point that this rod now, uh, Moses is looking at it differently because he's seen the Lord use it before yeah. and he trusts now in, in Exodus 17, he's going to use it again. I'm yeah. going to take the rod of God. What a, what a powerful statement. And so what, what is in our hands? That, that, that's phenomenal. It is. It is. So like you said, what, what do you have in your hand? What do you have in your life that that you could use that you may have you may have overlooked? Maybe there's there's someone or something, something that you can do um, that maybe you'd looked at before and you, you didn't you didn't think you were qualified, you didn't think that you were prepared. Uh, have faith and do do that thing. Yeah, and this is not a we're not talking about taking on some insurmountable task that you know you can't or just not going to work out. You've got to discern some of these things, but but we're we're trying to simplify this the best we can to say, what do you have in your hand? I'll give you another example of this in the Old Testament. Uh, David, before he's king, he's just a young boy in 1 Samuel 17, which it's a phenomenal chapter for people of faith to look to and to see this young man and the way that he speaks about God. 1 Samuel 17, <clears throat> you may remember with us that Goliath has set himself before the army of Israel and he's come out these 40 days and, and, and says to the, the nation of Israel, which man among you will, will you send out to fight me? And, and so he sets this deal. If you send a man who beats me, then we will serve you. But if I beat the man you send, then you're going to serve us. Now Saul, the king, and everyone else in the camp is terrified. And, and rightfully so. This is a giant. Uh, Goliath is from Gath, and, and he's a giant, and he is to be feared. But in the story, David comes to bring some food to his brothers, and he hears the giant make this bold claim. First Samuel 17 and verse 34, we get to where David's been brought to Saul, and he says, I want to fight Goliath. Verse 34, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, I struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard, and struck it and killed it. 
Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So we have David. He's going to tell Saul why he can win. He goes back to a situation in, at home where he's watching the sheep, a lion and a bear come. He says he grabs this lion by the beard and he struck it. He doesn't tell us what he struck it with, but it is, is interesting that he struck uh, this lion and bear when he had it in his possession. Um, I, I don't know about you. What, what would you like to have in your hand if you've got a, you got a lion in one hand yeah. by the beard? What do you want in your other hand? A big club, I think. <laughs> in David's club. day, I'm, yeah. Yeah, and I'm thinking in today's time, a hand grenade. I'll, I'll <laughs> shove that hand grenade in that thing's mouth. But David, he's saying that his confidence is somewhere else. And, and so this, this is what we want to see. What can this young boy do? The entire army is trembling. Their knees are knocking together. They're afraid of Goliath. And we know that he took a slingshot into battle. Uh, slingshots are not the weapon of choice when you go out to meet a giant warrior who has been fighting from his youth. But David goes out with a slingshot. He picks up five smooth stones from the brook and he commits himself to this fight. Verse 48 of 1 Samuel 17. Listen closely to David's heart, to his attitude, and to his approach to the enemy. What can I do? I'm too young. I don't have the right armor. I don't have a sword as big as his. Verse 48 says, So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David is running towards this giant. Then David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead and that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed. David, his confidence and his faith was in the same place. He's not the man for the job. This is an insurmountable task, but he knew whom he had believed and he knew that God was faithful uh, to redeem his people when when they would call upon him. And and we see this young boy uh, have victory over such a a huge giant. Uh, And and, uh, we know the nation of Israel, they they now chase the Philistines. The Philistines run. They don't know what to do. This kid has just whooped their, their biggest guy. Uh, and, and so they, they run with fear, and now Israel has established itself again. How did they do How did they do all that great stuff? One person, one heart, one confession. I know that I, I love this story, and I know that the Lord looked down at little David, and, and he said, yes, I finally got somebody that I can use. Mm-hmm. The, the shortcoming that we have is that we don't think it's us or we're not willing to try. Right. And, and we've got to have the faith that David had shown and the faith that Moses grew into with his rod. You know, the the old rod that he used to walk around with is now this great instrument of God. And it's the same picture repeatedly that we see repeatedly in Scripture. And we want to take hold of that uh, and embolden ourselves to work not on our our own will or by our own power, but in that which God has told us to do. Back to Moses. The, The Lord told Moses what to do. He wasn't unclear about that. Um, we need to understand what the Lord's told us to do, and we need to go do that with all of our heart and, and let Him yeah. let Him provide the growth and the increase that He promises to us. It's a great thing. It is. 
David acted with such great faith in that moment, and God followed through and allowed him to, to defeat the giant. And we have, we have things like that in our own life, and that story teaches us the sort of heart we should strive to have in those scenarios, to trust and obey God and use, what's, use what is placed around us, what God has given us. After all, that's all, that's all, all we, we have in many cases. Sure. Um, and I think both of these stories also demonstrate how God chooses to, to act. He, he does, God, God is not one we see through his word to do things according to the, uh, the world, the way the world does things with pomp and, and, and splendor and, and flashiness. Um, he'll, he'll take a young boy to defeat the giant champion, right? right? He'll right. take a sheep herder. Uh, although growing up in the household of Pharaoh, he was a fugitive and he, he chose the fugitive to be the deliverer. That's and the, right. the, he chose the murderer to be the one who gave the law. You know, you see these would seem like opposites, but God's showing something there that he can do anything. <laughs> With anyone. It may not work out according to the logic of man. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says something about like that, and he parallels the gospel. And those who are called by the gospel... He, he parallels this idea. He says in verse 26 of chapter 1, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Brothers, consider the time of your calling. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly and despised things of the world and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no, man, no one may boast in his presence. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's right. And both David and, and Moses would, would boast in the Lord. They, they did not do those great things by their... That was the rod of God. It wasn't the rod of Moses. That's right. Adam, uh, David said that Goliath was defying the armies of the living God. It wasn't the armies of the king of Israel. It was <laughs> the armies of God. Um, and so this applies to us just as well. Consider the time of your calling. We are ordinary people. You, you and I, Danny, we don't know who's listening, but Anyone who is acting in accordance with God's will, there's no end to what God can do with that, that action. All things work for good to those who are, who are called according to God's purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And God can take those things and, and do incredible things. The, the word, um, God, God's word does not return void, right? right? And it can grow and produce fruit. And there's no end to that fruit. The fruit brings more seed and the seed brings more fruit. And uh, we, we just don't know what all what God's doing, but we know that it, that it is good. That's right. And we know that he expects us to move in faith, right? Right. So we say, well, well what can I do? Or, or I, I don't think I'm the one for the job. The Lord knows that. He says it in 1 Corinthians chapter yeah. 1 in those verses you just read. He says, look around you. Not many are wise. Not many were born in nobility. 
The Lord knows that. But the foolishness of God, as he tells the Corinthian brethren, is greater than the wisdom of men. And so that's something we, we have confidence in, we believe in with all of our heart. We're just to walk in that and, and to be faithful to God in what he's given us to do. And, and we're tying in this picture of characters in Scripture who, who did mm-hmm. that. They trusted the Lord, but they also had things that we would think were obscure or minimal or, or really worthless. You know, I don't, I don't know what you can trade a slingshot for in David's day, but it's not <laughs> worth much. Goliath has a coat of mail and, and a, a, a long spear, and he's got a sword because David removes his head for him with that sword. Mm-hmm. We know he's got a sword on him. And he's wearing a helmet. He's got all the equipment. And yet when the Lord moves through this young man, you know, you, you talked about Moses and, and David's mind, uh, this young man and, and the great faith that he had that the Lord, he, he gives us these moments so we would know that this is true. He takes the basest of things and turns it into greatness and glory. And it's, it's really always been his way. It's always been his way. That The issue that men have is pride. Uh, the Lord disdains pride, the pride of men, that we would not boast, as you read, that don't boast. If you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. So again, I'm doing what God has commanded me to do, and I'm right where I'm supposed to be. That's a great thing. Um, Another example of that in in the New Testament is where Paul is speaking to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And you may remember that Paul kind of sets himself out there for anyone who would believe that he calls himself the chief of sinners. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15 Paul says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. This really hits the heart of someone who says, I can't do it. I'm not the right person. I'll be a hypocrite if I try this. We've got to correct those things. Uh, to get our house in order. Certainly that, that, that's appropriate. That needs to happen. We, we don't want to be a hypocrite, but we can't let that paralyze us. We have a message that God's laid on our hearts. He, he's given us his great love. He's shown us his mercy through Paul, that the man who persecuted the church and took yeah. letters from the chief priests to go out and drag Christians to jail. Paul did not forget about that. He knows that he's the worst of the worst. But he says, the Lord did this on purpose. Same picture. Mm-hmm. He took me and he, he pulled me into this situation as a minister of Jesus Christ so that all would know. Anyone who believes that God is long-suffering and he's faithful to those who love him and trust him. Yeah. And we think of Paul as this mighty warrior in the gospel, and he was. But he, d- he does not hesitate to tell Timothy, don't forget, I was a blasphemer and I did these horrible things against God. I was an insolent man but I obtain mercy. So if you're listening, mm-hmm. you obtain, obtain mercy. You understand that that picture and the imagery that Paul's using. Then again, we're just without excuse at this point. We've already covered that we're not wise, we're not noble, yeah. and we don't deserve it. Yeah. So the Lord's dealt with all of those and we're back to square one. What do you have in your hand? Was so, so well said. Um, God's really demonstrating something there. Uh, we, Ephesians 2 says we were dead, <laughs> but he made us to be alive. That's right. You know, I mean, if we were dead, there was, we, we couldn't, <laughs> you know, there was no chance of being alive by our own means. That's how that works, right? That's right. Uh, Christ has made us alive, and and now it's only his will that we can can do anything through in that, in that life. But, 
Second Timothy chapter two, there's this concept coming out again uh, about being useful to, useful to God and being a servant. Yeah, in chapter two, verse twenty. It reads, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So what I see here is that there's gold and silver, wood and clay. So there's some nice things and not so nice things, but that doesn't matter. Because honor can be given to something of wood or clay, just as gold or silver. And what what determines that is if you cleanse yourself using the uh, through faithful obedience to the gospel, you cleanse your sin, you become a child of God, you can be sanctified by the, the blood of Jesus Christ. You can become useful. God will find a use for you, and he'll prepare you for that, for the work. That's right. So we, we worry sometimes about where do I fit in? What can I get moving on? Be patient. God accomplishes these things in time. It's a, it's a promise from him. We're his workmanship created in Christ. We, he created us. He made us alive for work. And if we're faithful in his word, he'll, he'll get to it. Sometimes our timelines don't work out, but this is the faith we must have in, in our God. That's right. Yeah, it's awesome. He knows who you are. He knows what you're capable of. He also knows the eagerness of our heart to do it. I, you know, in my own, I'll just speak my own life, but it's just that I'm not trying or I've, I've kind of cooled off. I'm just not as persistent. Uh, but the Lord, you know, look at David and, and, and the, the faithful obedience of Moses and, and some of these people we've talked about, the Apostle Paul. He also knows and sees an eager heart. Yeah. And he, he's going to set those good works before us that we should walk in them. Ephesians two ten. There's a lot in Ephesians two, isn't there, mm-hmm. about this concept? Yeah. Though it's not what we've read from uh, today. But I, I love that. I'm glad you brought that out because it says that when you cleanse yourself, you will be a vessel for honor. You are sanctified. You are useful for the Master, prepared for every good work. So now we're starting to see ourselves as what am I doing sitting here? Yeah. I got to do something. Right. I need to glorify God in, in all that I say and do. I need to reach out to someone I love and care about to tell them one more time. Uh, the gospel is for all. Christ is calling you. Look, look at the things around you. Notice what God does for you today. Be observant. Don't go through this life ignoring what God has done for you, the great and glorious things that he's already done for you. And we want to encourage them to take hold of his truth uh, as we have and as we're trying to do. Not, not perfect, not boasting, as we've already read. But maybe the better statement is, if I can do it, you sure can. Yeah. Because <laughs> most people look at us and they think, well, you're not all that special. That's true. I, you know, I'll go back to 1 Corinthians 1 if you want me to. <laughs> I, I'm not wise. I was not born in nobility. But I believe God. And my, my life's starting to change because of it. And that, that is something that will matter to people. Mm-hmm. When they're wondering what it, what this is all about, you know, why why am I here? Why is life so hard? And they look at you, and, and you're you're strong in your faith. You're 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 connected to the anchor that cannot be moved, and that really does look like something. And so, not only are you connected to that anchor, but you're looking for good work to perform uh, to glorify Him 
and, and so again, it's just a great picture that we see consistently in Scripture and that we need to see in our own lives. I'm getting the feeling that those who are with us, you know, those who are listening to us, that they, they want to be stumped. <laughs> so let's give them something. Let's, give them a let's hard, make them think. A hard question. Yeah. Let, let's do something that will challenge each one of us. Uh, Jesus told us we need to keep our lamps burning. We need to gird our waist with truth. So, so this is one of those things we do to challenge one another here, but also everyone who's listening. Um, I almost showed you my questions. You want to go <laughs> I saw first? No, I saw nothing. I'll go first. Okay. okay. All right. Question one. Which judge of Israel killed Eglon, king of Moab? This is one of those trivia questions where I know the details. This judge is left-handed. That's right. He used a, a knife of some kind. It was a yep. relatively lengthy blade, I think. Uh, Eglon was heavy set. He went into a room... They closed the doors. It was just the two of them. His servants waited outside thinking he was using the restroom after That's he was right. dead. <laughs> That's right. Don't tell me. Shamgar. Ehud. That's right. Yes. You got I, knew, I knew if I thought long enough. <laughs> Ehud. And the king's name was Eglon. Yep. Okay. Yep. Nice. And where, where's that found in the Bible? It's found in Judges chapter 3. Yeah. Judges 3. It's a great story. That's, it that's is. the one it's... that little boys love. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I'm not sure why. <laughs> okay, question number one for you. Okay. This individual wrote five New Testament books. Five New Testament books. So that would be the Apostle John. That's right. The yeah. Apostle John. Do you know which ones he wrote? John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. The Revelation. That's right. The Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, which were letters. And then he wrote the, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, what a responsibility, huh? To be a writer of the New Testament, to, to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. What a privilege. And his gospel stands out from, from the other gospels. He had a special role there. That's right. I, just to simplify, I like to tell people that he John's writing to the third generation. Mm -hmm. uh, I think his gospel, from the best I can see, was written last. Um, and John says some things that, that also lend itself to that idea. He says that these things I have written that you might believe. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. And John stands alone in many, many ways. That's awesome. All right. We're both 100%. What's what's my next question? Good question. I hope this isn't a low ball for you. <laughs> so uh, how many people survived the flood of Noah? Oh, man. Thank you. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a New Testament question. Maybe we'll, oh, ex we'll extend yes. this a little bit. Okay. How do we know in the New Test from the New Testament? In 1 Peter 3. Yeah. 
You got it. Is where we're told that eight souls survived the flood uh, through the ark. Eight souls were saved. Noah, his wife, their three sons, and their wives. That, that, that accounts for the eight people. You know, another huge point to that is uh, sometimes people ask about their, their pets, the animals. Um, you know, will, do dogs go to heaven? That kind of thing. Sometimes you may be talking to a little kid. Uh, who really wants to know where, what's going to happen to their dog, you know? And so we, we sure. want to be careful about that because they're emotionally connected and we are too. Uh, we, we spend time with our animals. Uh, but first Peter three tells us mm-hmm. that eight souls were saved. And so that, that's just a great place to go to show that um, humans have souls. God's given us a soul, yeah. but animals are not, and they're not accountable mm-hmm. uh, for immoral decisions so anyway yeah. i hate to go on and on about that but uh that's that's a great passage to see that uh, the humans who were on the boat were the ones who had souls and, and the, the bible says that so it helps settle yeah. people down when they're concerned yes. yeah. about that i think yeah all right number two uh, this is not as easy as yours in, in my opinion but um we've talked about jonah quite a bit in our last couple of episodes so um, what city did Jonah find a ship? What city was he in to find a ship to go to Tarshish? Mm-hmm. That's Joppa. Yes, sir. Jonah 1 and verse 3, that he went down to Joppa. Mm-hmm. And Joppa is a coast coastal city. It is uh, northwest of Jerusalem. It's on the Great Sea coast. So follow-up question to that, just because okay. I thought you might get it. Yeah. Um, can you name another place where Joppa's mentioned in the New Testament? Sure can. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Acts 10. Wow. I got to get tougher on you. Acts 10 and verse 5, Cornelius is told by an angel of the Lord to send men to Joppa, where he will find the apostle Peter, who is lodging with? Uh, this, I don't, Peter's lodging with? He's a tanner. Ooh, I feel like I should know this. It's he has the same name as Peter. Side. Simon. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm sorry. You look like you were. I didn't to want to say Simon and get that wrong. And <laughs> yeah, no, you you did great, man. Simon the Tanner. That's right. Acts 10, Joppa. That and that was yeah. a follow up question. Yeah. So good job, Sam. Good questions. Yes, sir. Okay, well, we wouldn't want to close this podcast out without talking about and giving you tangible examples of what you can do. We, we, we don't want to beat around the bush. There, there are, it's not a mystery about how to be productive and fruitful in the kingdom. There, there are things that God set before us in clear language, and we, we've touched on some of those things. But uh, what can we do pers- personally uh, to prepare ourselves uh, I, I made a little list of just some things that came to the top of my mind. I know you did too. Okay. Um, I, you know, I think that the heart of this is, is, uh, and God warns us this time and time throughout his word is to keep our heart, protect our heart, prepare our heart. Our, and I see the heart as our, uh, mental, emotional center of ourself is to, to, to protect that and make, make sure that our hearts right before God are, um, that we, Proverbs 4.23 says, the, the issues of life spring from our heart. We should keep it with all diligence. That's right. So what you can do is keep your heart 
what does that what does that entail? That that's going to mean something different to all of us, but protect your heart and your mind from the things of this world by concentrating on on God, feeding in his word. Um, and and really listening to God through his word. These things if if we can be honest with ourselves, um, God's word will act to transform us over time and and you know, God David said that God was a shield around him. I think part of that is is his is his word, how he speaks to us, and how we we speak to him, and that how God lives in our lives. These things are are a shield to to our heart, our faith. That shield that protects us from the darts of the devil. These these are are things that that we we can do. We don't need anyone's help with this. We need a knowledge of the word and we need a open and a good heart. Um, and that's something you can do right now. You can pause this podcast and, and think about that, but keep your heart. Yeah, that's phenomenal. That, and that's step one to me. I don't have that, but that, that's absolutely right. To, to keep your heart, to dedicate yourself toward the Lord and his word, because you can ask yourself at any time when, when you have that settled, you can say, is this what I should be doing? Is, am I using God's time wisely? He, he's, He's made a deposit into me by giving me his truth and, and to be faithful in his word. And so is, is he pleased with this? And when your heart is settled and, you, and you're dedicated to the truth and eager to do good things for the Lord, then you can always affirm that this is right where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing the best I can with what I have. So so what can I do? That's the question. And, and what I've put down for personally is we're going to go back to David. We're going to go back to Moses and just ask, what has God placed in your hands? You, you've evaluated the condition of your heart. You know that your, your motives are right, that you're pure in your thought. You, you want the people you care about to go to heaven with you. Uh, so what's in your hand? It could be your car. You own a car, you can pick somebody up. You own a car, you can drive someone to services. You can. It's, it's just that easy. Uh, and it's not these great, difficult things that the Lord will bless. It is the what can I do? And yeah. seeing it and then doing it. So, so, so if you have a car, you've got a list of things you could do to be helpful. If you own a pen and, and some cards of encouragement, you can write notes to people you love and care about who need to hear from you. It's been a while, maybe. And uh, you can reach out to them. You can write letters to brethren to tell them how, they, uh, how much they mean to you and how much you love them. What, what an encouragement. Getting a letter in the mail is is a great thing from someone who has already thought about you and has written a few kind words to to lift up your heart. Well, I can do that. I need a pen mm-hmm. and I need some paper. And I need a postage stamp. So, so I can do that. Uh, if you have children, God has entrusted your children to you. He wants you to share everything you can about him in your words, in your conduct, in the way that you speak to others. The way you drive home from church, even I would include uh, the way you talk about brethren. Show your children who you are and, and what God's done for you. You may have a large home, uh, maybe some extra rooms. You, you could offer your home to people in need. Uh, the point is, obviously, I know people understand, but offer whatever you can give in service to God and, and let him bless that work and that effort as you've diligently protected your heart through God's word and then use what you have. Uh, you know, I think too often, Sam, we we say to ourselves, we give ourselves justifications maybe, but also qualifiers where you say, for example, a young person, I, I say to 
a young man, 14 or 15, you know, why don't you go out and encourage some people? Go, go uh, be strong for the Lord. And he says, well, I'm too young, too young to do that. Well, Jeremiah tried that excuse, but I would go back to David. David was very young when he went and, and killed Goliath. And so are you too young to serve the Lord? No, you're not too young. And by the same token, we talked about Moses. Speak to the elderly. And, and I, I would say gladly to, to the elderly who say, I can't do what I used to do, and therefore I'm unable. I would say, consider this again, please, because the Lord has not put you out to pasture. If you're alive and, and you have people that you could reach out to, then, then there's plenty of good work to do in the kingdom of God. Moses was 80 years old when he began to speak to Pharaoh in Egypt. That's in Exodus 7 and verse 7. tells us that Moses was, was 80 and Aaron, his brother, was 83. So they weren't too old to serve the Lord. Their work just begun. And what great things did he do through Moses and, and through Aaron? One other thing for me is the talents. You say, what kind of talent do I have? Are you, are you about to comment on that? No, I wasn't going to go there. I wasn't okay. going to go there. Okay, let me just briefly say that you, you want to examine yourself that we have the, the parable of the talents, that, that we know that they're accountable for the talents they were given by their master. Mm -hmm. What is it that I'm good at? Where, where can I thrive? What can I do? Well, I'll offer to you Dorcas, uh, Acts 9 and verse 39. The widows there were weeping over her as she passed from this life, and they showed Peter the tunics and the clothing that she had made while she was with them. And these were things made for other people. Dorcas uh, may have been an elderly woman. Barnabas also called the son of encouragement, Acts 4, verses 36 to 37. He sells all of his land and he, he lays the proceeds at the apostles' feet so that they would do what they would with it. God records that for us. I'm not telling anybody to sell their land, mm -hmm. but I'm saying, what do you have? What can you do? Uh, Aquila and Priscilla, another great example. We see in Acts 18 that Paul joined to them because they were tent makers. So now you have your job. Paul stayed with them because he had the same profession. They all made tents. And so we see Aquila and Priscilla move after meeting Paul and helping uh, Apollos to understand more accurately the word of God. And they do all sorts of great things for the Lord. They have a church in their home. The book of Romans tells us that. They grew and developed because they were tent makers. That's where it started. Yeah. And God does this over and over again. I would say to everyone also that we need to pray. That's an easy one. You probably already knew that, but please pray. Pray to God. James tells us that Elijah was a man who had a nature just like ours, and he prayed to God, and it didn't rain for a long time yeah. because a man with a nature like ours prayed to God, and it's there so we would understand that. It's amazing. Yeah. Remember, this is not about the magnitude of what you're trying to accomplish. Don't worry. Don't, try not to worry about that. That's that's a worldly pursuit. We don't we, we don't know how how God works and how He accomplishes His His ways. And Mike Micah six, that familiar verse, it talks about you know, will, will the Lord be pleased with ten thousand rams, ten thousand? rivers of oil shall i give my firstborn for my transgression you know that's i think that's the worldly perspective right. should i donate a bunch of money to charity should i build a university should i build a big those are good things maybe um sure but how can you help help people i mean 
to be how to be a light in the world. I think some people might look at things like that and think, oh, wow, that's oh, you're really glorifying God and, and sacrificing your funds and your time and your your resources. But it says in Micah, what has he he has shown you what is good and what to do? What does the Lord require of you? Do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And people will see that. And that, that that is a way to let your light shine. And if you've if you've led someone to God or you've glorified God, that that's infinite value. That's absolutely. So we we looked at this question: What can I do? But is that really even the right question? Right? It, instead of asking what we can do, what has God already done? You know, He's He's shown us what we should do, and He's placed things in our life. Uh, he, he's placed tools in our life, people in our life. And we knew, just look around and, and trust in God and have faith and go forward. Sure. And, and don't worry about the outcome. If you're listening to this podcast, it's a very, very good chance that you know exactly what that thing is. And make baby steps towards that. Moses led around sheep in the wilderness, right? He started there. But God took him. Moses followed and Moses led people out of Egypt, you know? Uh, So there, there are baby steps there. David defeated those lions, those beasts. And then he stepped up and he, he went before Goliath in his faith and, and defeated him. So I, I, I hope this encourages everyone to put this, put this back into perspective. It's not you that needs to be worrying about all these things out wearing these things. God, God's going to take care of that and he can do all things. So I'm hearing you say, just get to work in so many words. Jesus says in Luke 17 and verse 10, when you have done all those things, which you are commanded say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that. What was our duty to do? That's a very important point. This conversation is not about how to, uh, be righteous. No. Humble servants. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, thank you for joining us today. We'll remind you the the email that you can reach us at is commonsensegospel at yahoo.com. We really appreciate your time that that you've given uh, to study, to think about these things with us. Uh, We look forward to talking to you again in the near future.